Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. It's kind of a slow week again this week, and a few people had voiced some concerns about that, so I just wanted to take a quick moment to touch upon this. First and foremost, that is not a reflection of what's going on in the retro gaming scene. Everything that's going on behind the scenes is still booming. There's a million products being worked on. Uh, It really is just an amazing time to be into the retro stuff. I guess we're just at a point right now where there's a lot of projects that I still can't talk about and others that I really don't feel like there's updates worth talking about here. I never want to put filler in these podcasts. So just to add an extra minute of me going, you know, almost the same as last week, I just, I I don't want to waste anybody's time. I only put stuff in this. I personally only write articles that I would want to read. uh, And I'm always very surprised when the other writers uh, have a bunch of articles that they write that I'm really enjoy reading and I'm glad that we all could kind of contribute like this but nobody just makes stuff up for the point of making stuff up so um, it's you know the lack of news updates is not a reflection on the retro gaming scene and it's certainly not a reflection on the website or the writers either it's just simply that there's not so much that we think is relevant that we could talk about this week so uh, you know I hope that doesn't upset anybody I guess there were a few people that were pissed that they were kind of on the shorter side but these podcasts are always designed to keep people in the loop of everything that's going on, everything that's at least public. And if there isn't anything, there isn't anything that week. So (laughs) sorry if that upsets you, but just rest assured there's a bunch of amazing stuff coming very, very soon, um, as well as a bunch of other little cool updates. And I'm sure there's tons of stuff that I'm not even aware of yet that will pop up that the other writers will share. So uh, no worries and no negativity whatsoever. It's just, uh, you know, not so much to chat about. So let's jump right in to whatever news we do have. First up, SNES Central has just discovered a prototype of Super Ultra Baseball 2 that was a localized version being translated from Japanese into English for North American markets. And it's pretty interesting because it's more than just an English translation. There's a color palette difference and some graphics enhancements as well as some other little things. So if you're interested in taking a glimpse into something that could have been, check out the SNES Central post and all of the uh, screenshots that he had. And you could also download the ROM if you'd like to try it out yourself. There's a few GameCube-related updates that probably should have been two different posts, but for some reason I made them all into one, so they're all going to be jammed into this section as well. Um, first, there's a few new versions of Swiss that Extrems and EmuKitted added a ton of features to. Um, it's This is one of those things where if you're a, a casual GameCube user that uses this software, just update and know that uh, the behind-the-scenes work is going to make your life better. If you're a power user please check out the very, very long list of enhancements to see which affect you, what might solve some problems you've been having, or or whatever else. But just some amazing work from the Swiss team. And one of the features that was added was support for a new SD adapter that was designed by Dan, Citrus 3000 PSI. And this adapter fits in the bottom serial port of the GameCube, and it's made in a way where it won't interfere with the Game Boy Player hardware, so you could put this in any GameCube that's got the bottom serial port uh, and still fit everything in. And I think the greatest use for this, at least in my opinion, is for people using action replays, because when you boot to an action replay, you have to use a 2 gigabyte or smaller card. 
Um, and then, of course, you would have to, you could always just swap that memory card out with a larger one after you boot it into Swiss and hit refresh and everything's right there. But then you're still using the memory card port in order to run your games. So using this device, you could take a large micro SD card, large size, of course, uh, stick it in this and load it with all of your homebrew and all of your games, and then just grab any SD card you could find, you know, ask your friends and family for the old 128 megabyte ones laying around, just load Swiss on that, and then have that in the front memory card reader. So that way you boot to the action replay and you boot to Swiss automatically, and then you could uh, direct Swiss over to this new SD reader and then remove the old one and plug in your real memory card. Um, and that would just kind of simplify a bunch of stuff. Or, of course, if you have a mod chip and you're able to just boot to Swiss directly, you could probably still do it this way and then just not have anything plugged into the front at all. So it's a pretty awesome piece of hardware. It's uh, Dan is selling the board only, just the PCB, so you have to assemble it yourself. Uh, he's got a ton of those on his site now for, I think it's $1.50, super cheap. And then you just need to put two components on it. He'll have pre-made ones coming pretty soon. Um, those shouldn't be too much more expensive, probably comparable to like the $10 ones you see on Amazon and stuff like that. Uh, so it's your choice if you like do-it-yourself projects, kind of small components, but there's only two, so maybe this would be a fun one. Uh, and I would also like to mention that Extrems finally opened a Patreon, which I'm very happy about because I have been using Extrems' free software since it was released, since the first release, pretty much. Um, between his contributions to Swiss and the Game Boy interface software, pretty much every time I touch a GameCube, I'm using stuff that he wrote basically for free for the community. So I know there's some people out there that absolutely love to shit on Patreons. I don't understand why. I probably never will. All I know is I'm incredibly happy that I finally get to to say thank you for software that I've been using forever. So, um, you know, anybody that's a fan of that stuff, please consider signing up for the Patreon. I'm sure happy that I did. And uh, I don't even care if he stops making stuff. Just I'm happy to, to continue to pay for all the stuff I've been using for years. So links, of course, are all in the post. Um, and the one, I believe, the Patreon link is write the very first word in the post just click on that and it brings you right to it so uh very happy to support it and i'm glad he finally opened that artemio has just released a new version of the 240p test suite for genesis and sega cd and this does a few things um first it integrates the md fourier software that was the audio testing software i talked about a while back so now that's just built right into the test suite you don't need a separate piece of software for that um, and also there's a few more tests that are Sega CD centered. So one of the things that I haven't done is go back and retest the audio and see how Sega CD affects just the Genesis audio. Uh, there's a few friends of mine that have been kind of digging into that, uh, TN, Bernie, and a bunch of people. And uh, I want to help out with that as well, because that's one of those things that... Um, you know, over the years, people have given different advice on where to pull your audio from if you have a Sega CD. And for years, I was always under the, the uh, you know, very firm opinion that it doesn't matter. Uh, but now I guess we get to test uh, 100% and be able to tell with actual data. So, uh, you know, if you already have a setup that's already done, I don't think you'd have to worry about rewiring. But, you know, give us a couple of weeks, maybe a month to test a bunch of different Sega CDs and see how that affects the audio. Um, but I'm kind of interested to see because, you know, it's very... 
I don't want to say it's easy, but it's it's certainly much easier to lay out video data for people to compare. Um, and even if your eyes don't really see it at first, I could zoom in and I could add arrows and kind of point things out for people, but it's really hard to do with audio. So now we have a visual representation of the audio tests. So thanks so much to Artemio for continuing to update all this stuff. Um, and I'm really looking forward to doing some more console tweaks just based on that software. Justin from Console Kits just reviewed the Arcade 1-Up Star Wars Arcade Cabinet, and I was pretty surprised by some of his findings. First, it looks like the steering steering yoke flight stick, however you would want to describe it, anybody that's played the original knows what I'm talking about, seems to be of fairly good quality and not something that would take away from the experience, because that was one of the one of the, my favorite parts of the original is the way that flight stick felt. Um, it just kind of, you know, it wasn't a joystick. It really made it feel like you were kind of trying to fly something. Um, and also he noticed that the panel itself was of better quality. Whether it was tweaked or a physically different panel, not really sure. But there's a lot less light bleed, so blacks look more like black and not just like a glowy gray. Um, and the overall quality seemed to have been up there. So, you know, I always appreciate Justin's take on the arcade one-up cabinets because I often focus on all the things I want that aren't out there. <laughs> and Justin always brings it back to an overall experience type of thing. Um, and I think my frustrations overall with, with the arcade one-up cabinets is there isn't an alternative. So if there was like a $1,000 flawless edition that used an LCD panel and this, I think I would be less hard on it because there would be choices for everybody. But there just aren't any choices for serious arcade fans because the only thing you could do now is hunt down original hardware and restore it. So hopefully uh, there'll be some kind of licensed solution that, that's a little higher end. But overall, it seems like the experience of this one is at least contained in a way where your average person would enjoy it. Um, the thing about the Star Wars cab is that it uses a vector graphic screen and that cool flight stick. So that's going to be a big deal for a lot of people that are fans of the original. Now, there's a retro e mode in here that allows the graphics on the LCD to kind of glow the same way that the vector graphics would, which I think is a pretty cool... Uh, it's a cool addition and something that I'd probably prefer to play that way just because it might remind me a little bit more of the vector graphics, but... Who knows? Maybe Arcade 1-Up is still going to start to improve and we can see cooler and different things like this moving forward. Um, the last time I had any interaction with them, uh, they asked a friend of mine if they wanted to review it. And then I guess they found out who we were and <laughs> shut off all all communication after that. Which, I mean, that's kind of funny because that means they don't want us lag testing and they don't want us doing any of the, uh, the real testing to it. So, whatever. Um... You know, I, I've played a few of these, a few of the arcade one-up cabinets, not the Star Wars ones, and I played some of the originals that came out, and I was thoroughly unimpressed with it as a whole, but everybody I've talked to that owns them and have worked on them said that each time they release one, it does get slightly better. So who knows? Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll return my emails and I'll get to work with them and, and test a new cabinet. But or or maybe I'll just stop by a buddy of mine's house and you know bring my lag testing kit there and everything. But kind of an interesting thing to see. But I guess um, for now, if you're interested in these, I personally, just my opinion, would stick to the ones where you can't quite get that experience somewhere else. So like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, 
you know, there's a million different ways to play those games, but things like the Star Wars with the flight stick or heck, even Golden Tee Golf with the spinner and stuff like that, Tempest with the rotary controller, you know, try if you're going to my opinion again, if you're going to go to something like a cabinet that takes up space in your house, I would choose one that at least gave something that you can't reproduce easily elsewhere. But that's just my, you know, word vomit thoughts on it. If you want to check out Justin's video on the Star Wars cab, even if you're slightly interested, I would highly recommend it because I think you'd be impressed on how far Arcade One Up went to make it a little bit better than they have been in the past. The Commodore 64 homebrew game Icebox Plus is now getting a physical release, but the original is still available to download either for free or at name your own price. And I'm a huge fan of stuff like this because I always like to try before I buy because there's stuff out there that's just not for me, respectfully. But also, there's many times that I'll discover a piece of software that I love and I want to support the developer. So I'm glad that they have the name your own price thing. There's also times I've bought digital stuff that I end up losing it and I need to re-download it. So it's cool that I don't have to pay twice. Um, But there's also a lot of people that really enjoy collecting the hard copies of this stuff. So I think this is one of those perfect scenarios where everybody wins. You know, if you... If you just want to try the game, you could still download it. If you want to buy it and add it to your collection, you could do that and everything in between. So if you're a Commodore 64 fan, uh, definitely check out the game and see if it's something you'd like to buy. Vertech has just released a 36-page document that depicts his reverse engineering of the original Game Boy. And that includes the schematics of pretty much every single original chip on there. Uh, I guess he'd been keeping track, and it was a 191-hour process. So th- that's just absolutely mind-blowing that you get so much cool stuff from from homebrew devs. And re- uh, remember, Furtech also did something similar with the Neo Geo, allowing for the core to be released on the Mister. So giant fan of Furtech's work, and anybody that's interested in stuff like this, definitely check out the schematics. Um, it's it just always so impressive when when people from the community end up reverse engineering just stuff like this. So thanks very much to Furtech for sharing it with everybody. Um, and, you know, hopefully that might also be a help to people who just need more Game Boy schematics. Genovi has just released another video in his Unreleased or Cancelled series, this time focusing on the Atari Jaguar. And it's another great video that mixes history and kind of some company info in, as well as the games, to give you a better perspective as to why some of these might have been cancelled or never released. But as always, if you're a Jaguar fan and you want a glimpse of something that could have been, check this video out. A version of the Super Nintendo emulator BeastNess was just released that added run-ahead support. So that's that mode that allows you to skip ahead a frame in order to try to reduce overall latency. And I wanted to test it out, even though it's only in the alpha phase. So I spent a few hours testing and slapped together a quick video on it. I just released the video, so I had zero feedback on it yet. <laughs> I hope I hope it's going over well, and I hope people understand what I meant by it. But the purpose of the video was simply just to test that run-ahead mode worked at all, which it does. And then I kind of just wanted an idea of how it compared to real hardware. Um, so I went through, and I was very impressed with the results. But, you know, some things to 
keep in mind, it wasn't a perfect test. It was certainly a heck of a lot more scientific than I played the game. It was, you know, there's actual measurements involved. But I used a part of Super Metroid where there was nothing else on the screen but Samus. So it certainly wasn't something that required a lot of processing power. And I even ran into issues with my desktop not being powerful enough to run run ahead mode as well. Uh, so, you know, there's different factors. Of course, it's an alpha build, so you shouldn't, you know, all of these things I'm sure were going to be improved. I was running in 4X mode, so I'm sure if I dropped the resolution of my computer down, it might have been easier to run like that. But for me personally, this was just a cool little test that, that demonstrated how far software emulation is coming. Um, and and really, it's it's getting to the point that it's straight up impressive. It's still not at the point, as much as most people would like to believe, it's still not at the point where you could grab a Raspberry Pi and get a perfect console experience. Um, but you certainly can have a decent console experience. And if you want something as accurate and powerful as BeastNest, you're going to need a really fast computer. But all this means to me is at some point we're going to have, you know, it might take 10 years, but at some point we're going to have a Raspberry Pi-like device where we could just load these emulations on uh, and it'll be fast enough to run it in full speed. Might take a while, but it's it's pretty awesome that we get these options. And don't forget too, even people that have original consoles, there might be a scenario in which you might want to use one of the cool emulation features. So for me personally, I'm going to always want to use original consoles on CRTs. However, I've been messing around with that HD mode and the widescreen modes in BeastNest, and I really loved it. So if I were going to play on a flat screen, I might want to hook up my laptop to my uh, my TV and just try it that way, because I might be able to get kind of a cool experience that I wouldn't have gotten other than that. So... You know, sorry for my little rant on emulation here, but uh, so often people misunderstand and think that I'm not a fan of software emulation when I absolutely love it and I've I've been deeply involved in it since I was a kid. So, you know, so much respect to BU and I never I never say his name right. I'm sorry, but so so much respect for all the work that was gone into this and the accuracy of it. And once again, it is an alpha build, so I'm sure the run-ahead mode will get more efficient and a little more accurate. Uh, so if you're interested, check out the video. Light-hearted video, not a serious, you know, there's no hard numbers in this. It's just, hey, here's what I tested in an alpha build on my computer. But maybe it's still entertaining. It's not that long either. So, uh, yeah, check it out if you're interested and download the latest version of BeastNess um, if you're into emulation and want to try it out. Before I go, I just want to remind everybody that this Saturday, October 19th, I will be doing a panel at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo at 6.30 p.m. in Auditorium B. I'm really excited to do this. I've never been to PRGE before, and I've never done any panels or really any expos on the West Coast. So I'm very much looking forward to meeting up with a bunch of friends, meeting up with as many of you as possible, and hopefully doing a panel, doing the same panel that I've been doing in a slightly different way. Uh, not sure how that's going to go over, but I really, really hope it comes across well. I practiced it once and it seemed okay. So if you're going to be around for that, please show up. Uh, it'll either be enjoyable or an epic fail, which is always fun to watch either way. So hopefully I get to see all of you there. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks to the people that participate like adults in the comments. Uh, and, you know, thank you so much, of course, to everybody who supports on Patreon and Subscribestar because you're really keeping all this stuff going and I'm hoping to, to dig even further if I could. So thank you very much and I'll see you all next week or 
maybe this weekend. <laughs> <laughs>